Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. We're going to dive into part three of our series, It's Not You, It's... And we are talking all things relationships. And the idea of this series is that as you get better, your relationships will get better. And so I thought I'd have a little bit of fun today, uh, being that it's Valentine's week. And um, a lot of, you know, we have a lot of singles in our church. And so some people are kind of raised in, in the world, don't really know how to date in the church world. So I thought I would give you some Christian pickup lines to help you as we start this thing, just so you have some games. Some of you are going to come to Young Adults this Thursday, and, and you're going to need some lines to give. So let me just give you some of them. Here's one I really like. It says, hey, hey girl, uh, you really are a fisher of men because you just reeled me in. Come on. Reeled them in. Some of y'all that are in foundations, you can use this one. It's just, I put the stud in Bible study. That, that'll, that'll help you right there. Get some game. I don't know if that'll work, but uh, here's another one. Ready? It's how many times do I have to walk around you to make you fall, me fall for you? You fall for me right there. Here, here's that one. It's a good Jericho joke right there for you. So how about this one? I know, Joseph, perhaps you can help me interpret these dreams I've been having about you. <laughs> kind of creepy, but yeah, it works, right? If you want to just get to the point, some, some people are just beating around the bush. I use this one just to get to the point. It says it this way. Look, you're 30. Most Christians are three years into their marriage by then. Just settle with me. <laughs> that one works right there. Uh, one more, one more. Ready? I've, used, I've heard this one used a lot at Radiant. And how about this one? It's, I feel like God's telling me to go on a date with you. So just put it all in God's hands right there. It's funny right there. Try to use those and you will definitely stay single. That would be awesome. <laughs> I want to talk to you today uh, about a crucial subject. I want you to take all those notes because I want you to take some notes. Whether you're single, married, divorced, no matter what season you're in, this is going to help our church. It's going to help you. And I've titled it this way. There's five commitments to fail-proof your marriage. I want to give you five commitments to fail-proof your marriage. And, and if you are single, let me tell you, you, I would especially say to lean into this. Because it, when you get married or if you get into that season, I want you to have these commitments ready to go. Because marriages are severely under attack today. The, the, the divorce rate within the church is the same as it is within the world, 50%. It's, it's, there's a 50% chance. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't do many things that there's a 50% chance I'm going to fail at it. And marriage is that way, 50% chance. The United States has the third highest divorce rate in the globe today. And the divorce rate above those that are 50 is actually the highest on record right now. So though there's six to 700,000 couples that are filing for divorce every single year. And by the way, that number doubled in 2020 during the pandemic. And so it's, it's, it's crazy, the amount of divorces that are happening. And even within the church, most divorces, by the way, are filed between January and March. And so that's why we do this series right in February. Because I feel like God's got a word for your life, for your marriage. And I want you to make this thing strong in your life. Here, here's the fact, write it down, is that people spend more time planning for a one-day wedding than they do preparing for a lifelong marriage. And that's got to change. That's got to change in our life. That we, we've learned how to really prepare for this thing 
called marriage. I, I think it's interesting. I remember the day that I got my driver's license. And uh, I, at 15 years old, we got that learner's permit. Had to take the test. You had to study. I don't know if you remember the book they used to give out. I don't know if they still do this anymore. But you just had the book and you'd have to take it home and learn all the street signs and learn all the behind the scenes. And, and, and I have to be honest with you. You're my church family. I'll, I'll be real. I remember the day I took the test and I failed it. How many in here, come here at every campus, how many can be honest that you took the driver's test and failed it at least once? Come on, throw that hand up. Oh, you're my people. You're my people. You're honest. Some of y'all are liars, but you're, yeah, it's okay. You want to know a fact about your pastor? I failed it three times. <laughs> three times. And every time I had to go back and study. And, and, and now that I'm a little bit older, thank God they have that process. Thank God that they don't just let anybody that just on a whim goes, I want to drive a vehicle, get on the road. Because let me tell you, that's like a weapon you're behind. And I want you to know what you're doing. But isn't it crazy that there is a process that you have to prove yourself to get a license that's a driver's license, yet there's zero process for you to get that marriage license. You can show up to the courthouse and pay $86 and walk out of there with a marriage license. That's a problem. There's no like classes being taken. There's no like pull you aside and go, are you serious about this? Do you know what you're getting into? Talk to me about how you're going to do conflict resolution. Talk to me about how you're going to handle each other's families. There's nothing. The, the reality is, is you can just show up and get married and get a license. And I think that's the part of the issue. The problem, part of the issue is we haven't been prepared and equipped to do marriage well. And that's what we're going to do today. Here's why. Because Hebrews tells us that marriage should be honored among all. Like, like it should, everybody should look at a marriage and go, wow, that's something that's so special. And the marriage bed kept pure. Like it is a special thing. The word honored there is this word. It's right there in your notes. It means valued. It means with weight. So when people think of marriages of people within Radiant Church, I want you to, to think, man, there's weight behind that. There's seriousness behind that. They don't flippantly get married. They don't just think of marriage as another thing on their list. No, marriage is a serious thing. So we have to ask ourselves the question, then what is marriage? What is marriage? What is, what is the definition of it? And I would say to you today, you're not allowed to define marriage because you didn't create it. The one who created it defined it, and he was very clear. Jesus himself was very clear on what marriage is. So let me set the record straight. Make sure you know, because I know there's a lot of weird stuff out there. Let me tell you what Jesus said marriage is. He says in Matthew chapter 19, haven't you read? He replied that in the beginning, the creator made them, and he said, male and female. I know that's all confusing these days, but this is what Jesus said. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two become one flesh, one flesh. And then it says in verse 6, so they're no longer two, but they are what? One they're one, one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And, and I'm telling you, the enemy is on attack to separate your marriage. He knows the potential. He knows what's, what's possible if your marriage is strong. So let's be very clear. Let's define it. What did Jesus say marriage is? And I want you to write it down. Marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman. And here's the fact. It's before God. It's, it's before God. And here's the deal. And it's for life. That's biblical marriage right there. That's what it is. 
It's, it's, I'm, I'm making a covenant. And, and that's why I tell people, I'm like, don't, don't flippantly get into this thing because you're not even making a commitment to each other. You, you've already committed to each other. You already love each other. That's, that's not what marriage is. Marriage, the marriage ceremony is actually a very religious ceremony. Because a marriage ceremony is you're going before a pastor who represents God in that scenario, and you're not even saying your vows to each other. You're saying your vows to God, saying, this is what I vow. God, I'm vowing that I'm going to do this for him, or I'm vowing I'm going to do this for her. That's how serious this thing is. So we have to understand, this is why it's a covenant. That's why it's for life. That's why we, divorce is a dirty word. We, we want to make sure that we, we stay strong in this thing called called marriage. So I'm going to help you with it. And here's how I'm going to help you because your marriage will only be as strong as your commitments. So you've got to have some commitments that'll fail proof your marriage. And that's what I'm going to give you today. I'm going to give you the five that Katie and I learned in the early years of our marriage. Every year, we get away on a vacation together. That means the kids are not there. Come on, somebody. That's a real vacation. And so we get away, and we take a week or so away by ourselves, and we normally read a book together. A few years into marriage, we read this book right here. I highly recommend it. I've given it out many times to different couples, and it's a book from one of my favorite pastors. His name is Craig Rochelle. It's called From This Day Forward. And what he does is he gives you five commitments to fail-proof your marriage. That, that is where um, I got the title of today's message. And so I would encourage you, if you want further reading, you want to you learn more, you want to grow more as a couple, this is the book I recommend people to do. Because I'm telling you, these commitments, we've applied them to our life. And because we've applied them to our life, we're going to fail-proof our marriage because we're going to do this thing for the rest of our lives. Let me give them to you. They're right there in your notes. I think it'll help you today. Number one, as a couple, you need to learn how to seek God. You want to fail-proof fail your relationship? You seek God. You have two people who are in pursuit after God coming together in marriage, and they don't stop that pursuit. They continue that pursuit in a relationship together that as a couple, we seek God together. This is vital. Now let me talk to all the singles in the house today because there's many of you that are waiting for that person in your life. I hear it all the time. When I settle down, when I get married, then I'll get serious. And I want you to know, you're gonna miss out if you don't learn how to seek God right now. And if you are married, I want you to hear this. Let me just say it this way. Your marriage will never thrive until both parties in that marriage are seeking God. So, so here's how it looks, okay? We got, we got uh, Zola, the zebra. Okay, so she's, she's there, and, and, and she's got a missing part of her. And she's got, she's got this void inside of her. And she, she feels like, man, there's something that, that's missing in my life, and I don't know where to find it, and I don't know how to get it. I just feel like I'm missing something. And then along comes Tony, the tiger. <laughs> and Tony, the tiger, the interesting about him is he also feels like something's missing in his life. It's that void in his life. And I want you to know, this is not a mistake. This is actually how God created you. God created you with this vacuum, with this void. Um, Billy Graham used to call it the God-shaped hole in each of our hearts. It's there's something that's inside of us that's missing. And so what you're looking for is you're trying to fill this void. So what you're doing is the problem in relationships is many times, instead of seeking God, what you do is you try to seek for somebody else and you look for them and you go, oh my gosh, Tony, you're so strong and handsome. And he's like, oh, Zola, you're so, you know, um, diverse. You know, it's like amazing. So, <laughs> the stripes, that was funny. 
And what they do is they go, but I'm missing something. Oh, I'm missing something too. What if we are missing this thing and we're the missing piece for each other? But the reality is, is it's never filled. Because it's never filled. Because they thought seeking it in each other would find fulfillment. You'll never find what you need in some other person. You'll never find it. So the solution for this, it's very biblical. The solution for this is that Zola finds her identity and her security and her missing piece in God. And by the way, if you've never found that, you're going to be able to find it today. At the end of this service, in just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity. Because the best decision you're ever going to make that's going to help every future relationship is to get your relationship with God right first. And guess what Tony the Tiger did? Tony the Tiger did. He said, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ too. I'm going to find my fulfillment in him. And he says, it's great. And so, uh, (laughs) you got to follow along with me. Now you have two fully satisfied people in God. And while they're totally satisfied in God, now they come together and you got two people coming together. And you got to now have a moment where you have two people who have already sought God and now they know this is the foundation of every great relationship is that God's first. Let me just say it this way. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And you got to think, today's culture, what would that be? We, we, we ask people, what's your greatest, the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment, it's love your spouse, raise godly kids, give money to the church, you know, help the poor. All of those are great. Jesus says, here's the greatest commandment, ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He knew that you'll never get everything else right until you get that relationship with him right first. So the first thing is that to get it right with God. That's why we seek God. So let me just tell you this way, ready? God is your one. So you're searching for the one. So he'll say, oh man, you found the one. No, 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 no. Before I found her, I found him. God is the one. God's the one in my life. So I, I'm telling you, I love Katie more than anything except for God. So you have to have that in your life that you understand God's my one. God, God, God's the number one place in my life. And here's the second one. Your spouse is your two. Let me just remind you, your kids are not your two. Your, your job is not your two. Your hobbies is not your two. Your spouse is your two. And until you get the order right there, you'll never get it correct. So, so here's the problem. When your spouse is number one in your life, they become an idol, and that idol can never satisfy you. I, I heard a pastor say it this way. Ready? Our idols always fail us, and eventually we end up demonizing the people we idolize. And that's what happens. What happens is we end up demonizing these people and we get mad at them because we're bitter because we thought they could satisfy you. They can't satisfy you, only God can. So, so singles, if you're single, let me just give you this, ready? Here's what you do. You seek the one, talking about God. I'm not talking about him or her, I'm talking about you seeking God while I prepare for my two. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek God. This is the foundation of every healthy relationship. So I'm gonna seek God. Here's, here's if, you're, if you're in a, a relationship, ready? Couples, here's what you do. You seek the one with my two. So as a relationship, we're seeking God together. We're going to church together. We're leading small groups together. We're serving together. We're giving together. Because as a couple, it's not we do our own thing, and then the fact is that as a couple of relationship, we do random things together. No, as a couple, the number one thing we do is we seek God together. So a practical way Katie and I have applied this to our life is that we don't just pray for your spouse. You pray with your spouse. Real game changer right here. And if you're a couple that's never prayed together, I'm telling you, you're missing out on one of the most powerful things you can do as a couple. 
Because a couple that prays together stays together. And that's the fact. It's, it's, you'll learn. There's, I'm telling you, there's not a bigger attack against your marriage than the fact that the enemies kind of make it weird for you to grab hands with your spouse and pray for them right there. And, and it, so we've, we've made it apart. Like, get over the weirdness. So we're frustrated. There's something going on with our kids. Grab each other's hands. Let's pray. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Because let me tell you, as a couple, we seek God. We're struggling. We're going to pray for each other. We go through different seasons where it'll be like, okay, Katie, you pray tonight. I'll pray tomorrow night. We're praying for each other before we go to bed. Pray with your spouse. James says it this way. Confess your sins and pray for each other so that you may be healed. One of the challenges I give couples that are in a really difficult season is every night pray together before you go to bed. It's hard to go to bed angry with someone you just prayed for. So you're going to learn to seek God together. Number two, here's the second commitment is you're going to fight fair. You're going to fight fair. I found it very interesting that um, Dr. John Godham, a marriage specialist and researcher, published a fascinating study about how couples fight, drawn from data from over 16 years. And he claimed that he could observe a couple fighting and arguing for just about five minutes and determine, listen to this, with a 91% accuracy whether the couple will remain married or whether they'll get a divorce. Just by how they fight. And here's what he said, success in marriage isn't based on whether you fight, but how you fight. <laughs> so I talked about this one a couple of weeks ago, but I'll hit on it a little bit more. Because how you argue matters. Because everybody argues. Everybody argues. Let me tell you, it's part of a good relationship. Is there some tension there? There's some arguing there. Some of y'all, you're like, yeah, we're arguing on the way to church today. Good. <laughs> I'm just confirming. You're in a great marriage, right? But let me just say it this way. And this, this is what Dr. Godham said. He says, healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. Wow, and this is how you know if you're doing it well or not. You're fighting with the right purpose with the right intention so katie and i have had the dumbest fights i mean the dumbest fights we we we, we laugh about some of them um one of them i'll tell you the worst fight we ever got in worst fight we ever got in and she's at st pete so i can share this um <laughs> the worst fight we ever got in was over thank you cards true story over thank you cards so we we had uh just had one or one of our many many children i can't remember which one it was one of the first two or three and uh <laughs> After four or five, you just lose count. So, um, so we, we just had, and we had someone in the church threw us a little baby shower. And so, you know, these ladies came and they all gave gifts and stuff. So it was like two or three days later and Katie and I were on a trip. And I said, Katie, you need to write those thank you cards. She had like the stack of thank you cards. And um, she says, I will. And I said, well, I think you should write them right now. <laughs> that didn't work out too well. So legitimately in 12 plus years, you, you can laugh and go, that's not a serious thing. It was like the biggest thing in the world. I mean, angry, yelling, you know, saying things that we should never say over thank you cards. Like we just didn't know how to fight right. Like we didn't know how to do it. Like we were just, uh, you know, and your mom is this and blah, 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 you know, going back and forth. <laughs> and it was, it was so dumb, but we've all had those moments. We've all had those moments that we can come down to it. We're like, why are we arguing about this thing? So let me give you a trick in arguing. All right, ready? All right, here's the trick. And James tells us what to do. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Every one of you, here's what you do when you're in an argument. It's so good. You got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All right, now he, these three things, I'm going to break them down to you, and they're going to help you, okay? So quick to listen. You got to ask yourself a question. What are they actually saying? All right, quick to listen. Because so many of you guys, you're only being quiet because you're trying to come up with your next thought of what you're going to say. 
That's not quick to listen. Quick to listen. What's actually coming out of their mouth? What's the reasoning behind it? There's a reason behind everything. Here's the other one. Slow to speak. Okay, when you think of slow to speak, I use an acronym. It helps me so much. And the acronym I do before I talk is WAIT. W-A-I-T. Here's what it means. Ready? Why am I talking? You, you want to help your arguments go to the next level? You want to help find resolution? You just, it, it, wait, Aaron, wait, 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 wait. Don't say that. Why am I talking? Am I talking because it's going to bring resolution or am I talking because it'll bring me personal victory? Because so many of you guys, you're winning the argument, but you're losing the marriage. So you got to change it. You got you to you figure out why you're talking. And then slow to become angry. Here's what this means. It's, am I denying my flesh? Am I, am, I, am I dying to myself every single day? And really, let's be real, the, the root of most of our arguments are the fact that we just want our flesh, we want it to handle, we want, we want to be in charge, we want, we want to win this thing, and I'm telling you, you'll never have a healthy marriage until you learn how to fight fair. Here's my last challenge for married couples in here when it comes to arguing. Ready? Stop fighting against each other and start fighting for each other. Start fighting for each other. And I, I want you to hear that because if you use the passion that you have to win the argument, to be a passion to make this marriage a win, your marriage would go to the next level. So start fighting for each other. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Yeah. Number three, ready? Here's the key. You want another uh, commitment to fail-proof your marriage is this. You gotta learn how to have fun. You gotta have, learn how to have fun. This is so vital, and honestly, it's missed out. Because you gotta think of the, the, the dating phase. You gotta think of when you were engaged. You gotta think of those first years of marriage. Everything was so fun. I mean, I look back and I was like, Katie and I, oh my gosh, before we had kids, it was so fun. I mean, no, no, no offense to my kids. It was just so fun. I mean, we would like times like, hey, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? I think we should go out to eat again. Well, we went out to eat for the other two meals. I know, but we both have jobs. Let's have a good time. <laughs> it was fun. I remember there was times we'd look at each other and we're like, hey, you want to go to a movie tonight? Yeah, let's go to a movie. Well, it's like nine o'clock at night. Let's do it. Tonight? Like if now? We looked at each other like, hey, you want to go to a movie tonight? Oh, let's go tomorrow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'll try to stay awake during that time. It just, fun gets sucked out of the relationship. We get, we get jobs. We get, we get schedules. We get kids. We, we get in a routine. And now the conversations stop being about fun. They start being about like, hey, the van needs an oil change. The kid needs to be picked up from karate at this time. Hey, the, the, the tutor's coming at this time. Hey, we need to make sure that we pay our electric bill. Let me, let me tell you, you, you turn in from, you turn from, from married couple that is so, having so much fun to coworkers or roommates. Wow. And when I hear so many people in there, I'm like, what do y'all do fun together? We're like, nothing, we pay bills. Like, that, that's a roommate. Let me tell you, write it down this way. Fun is foundational to a healthy relationship. You've got to have something that just is joyful and exciting in the relationship. Solomon wrote it this way. He says, enjoy life with your wife. Come on, somebody. And I want that. I want the, the best time I have. It's with Katie. We're having a great time. So part of this is we have to systematize it. We have to systematize fun, especially because life gets busy and schedules are crazy. So what do you do? We do the 777 rule. I've preached this for years at Radiant, but I want you to practice it. Every seven days, we're on a date night. And you follow me on social media, you see I always put a little picture up there. I'm not trying to sit there. My wife hates it when I put that picture up. And I'm really, it's because I'm trying to help you understand, listen, this is a priority in our marriage. We're going to have fun together. Here's another one. Every seven weeks, we're going to try to do a day. 
A day, so maybe we're, we're traveling around together, or we're spending a day hanging out. Do something with your spouse. Just take a day. It's so crucial. And every seven months, you need to get on a trip together. Two nights, three nights away. Uh, we, we, we do one th- smaller trip by ourselves, and then we do a big one in the summer that's just Katie and I. And, and it's like a giant reset in our marriage. Let me help all of you out. Every date night, by the way, should include three things. Can we talk today? All right. It should include face-to-face conversation. Put your phones down. You don't, it, it, the only time you should be on your phone is because you're on some kind of app that's giving you questions to ask to each other. Because let me tell you, that is, that, is, that is a great, you need face-to-face conversation. Get involved in each other's soul. You need side-by-side adventures. In other words, you're going on a walk. You're, you're hiking together. You're, you're going around the mall. You're, you're watching a movie together. You're, you're doing something together. You're living life together. And I'll preach on this one a lot more next week. I'll keep it PG today. But you need belly button to belly button fun is number three. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Can we just say it's a part of every date night? To God be the glory. Some of y'all have to explain that one to your kids on the way home. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it this way. Here's your quote of the day. He says, let the wife make the husband glad to come home. And let him make her sorry to see him him leave come on like live in such a way that there's so much fun that you just want to be around each other can I hear a better amen today church y'all still with me number four stay pure stay pure the greatest attack against your marriage right now is the attack when it comes to sexual impurity it's all over our world today it's still the number one cause for divorce is adultery it is the thing that takes down more marriages. And the, the fact is it's destroying your intimacy. It's destroying your fun. It's destroying what God has intended for your marriage because we have let sexual impurity go into our marriage. So I'm going to talk about this one a lot more next week. So I'm just going to hit on it a little bit because I think it's important for you to understand that the, uh, the desire and the pursuit of purity is foundational to a marriage sustaining itself. For you to do this thing for life, You've got to stay pure. So let me talk to all of my single people, ready? And this is going to be hard because I know we have a culture where people live with each other and move in together and all that. But let me just tell you, biblically, what the stance is, ready? Is that married things are reserved for married people. Okay? Now, I know it's quiet in the room and we're writing it down, but I want you to get this. Because people are like, well, we're like, we're married-ish. Remove the ish and go to the courthouse and get married. And then you have all the fun you want together, only together, by the way. So you have this together and you live in such a way that, that you honor God. But let me just tell you, we have to make it a fact that we are going to start our purity even before we get married. And we're going to live in such a way that we're going to honor God. And what it does, and I want you to get this, and again, so much of this is next week, you're going to get a lot more of this. It's going to be a lot more spicy and a lot more practical too, but um, But the reason God doesn't want you to have uh, sex before marriage is because when you get married, he doesn't want you to have sex outside of your marriage. So he teaches you self-control before so that you can have self-control after. He's always got an order to everything. So so practice purity now. Uh, Ephesians says it this way, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. So don't allow it in your marriage. Don't allow it in your life. And I know we're, our rooms are filled with people who are, who are struggling with this thing. Let me just tell you, the way we have resolved this in our marriage is we have healthy boundaries. And boundaries, write it down in your notes, don't stifle a marriage 
they safeguard the marriage. So you can sit there and go, well, I don't need those rules. We're good. I'm going to tell you, I don't trust myself enough to not have good safeguards around my life. So I'll give you some of my safeguards. You can call me legalistic all you want. I'm going to be married till the day I die. So here's my safeguards is that I'm never alone in private with a person of the opposite sex, period. You, you just won't, you won't see it. You won't walk into some room and I'm there by myself meeting with some woman by myself. No, no, I just have a rule. If I am meeting with someone, the door's open or we're in a public place and it's, it's obvious that this is, you know, something that there's high accountability because I'm just not going to put, I don't ride in cars alone with people, with, with women. I'm just not going to do it because I'm just going to realize I have boundaries in my life. It safeguards my marriage. Here's another one is I have internet safeguards. So I have things that, that make sure and monitor my, what I look at on the internet. Now, let me just tell you, my overseers, so our, my pastors, they're the ones that hire me, they fire me, they can do all of that. They require me to have an internet program on my phone that, that guards and looks at every single thing I look at on my phone. On my phone, on my iPad, on my computer, we use a company called Covenant Eyes, and it costs me money every single month. And they, they get a report every single month of all of the sites I've went to. And you go, well, that's extreme. I've got to live in purity. I've got to protect my marriage. We've got to make sure we do this. And you need some kind of safeguard. Don't get to a place and go, well, I'm strong enough. You ain't strong enough. You can't handle it. The temptations, they're spending billions of dollars to get you to fall morally. Like, they're, they're, they're working overtime. Do a little bit to safeguard yourself. Here's the other one. Just have some accountability partners. This is why our smongers are so important. Have, have some guys and girls in your life that, that you can talk to and you can be real with. And here's the last one, ready? And this, this, this is a huge one for 2023. We have total phone transparency. You want your marriage to thrive? That someone needs to have 100% access to every single thing on your phone. So Katie has 100% access to everything on my phone. Every single thing on my phone. My kids actually have access to it all too. By the way, that includes every app on my phone. So there's nothing, there's no password she doesn't know. There's no, there's no, by the way, my social media is, and it, just so you know, as your, as your pastor, you probably want to know this. My social media, there's probably three or four people, even on our staff, that have 100% access to my social media. So if you write me and, and go, hey, I don't want anybody else to know this, but I'm struggling with blah, 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 blah. About four other people have seen that, by the way. <laughs> so I'm just telling you that. Because I just refuse to be the person that says, hey, the pastor was writing me on, behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I know who I am, and I'm going to live above reproach because I'm going to stay pure because we're going to do this thing right. Can we hear a better amen today, church? So here's your first four. We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure. Worship team, you can come up. Here's number five. Ready? And you're never going to give up. Those are your five commitments. You want to have a fail-proof marriage? You're going to make a covenant and a commitment that we're never going to give up. We're never going to give up. We're going to live in such a way that no matter how difficult the season is, we're going to get through it. And I, I and joke about thank you cards but the reality is, is Katie and I have had some tough seasons, but we made a covenant before God that we're never going to give this thing up. I've said it publicly from the stage that I am actually okay if Katie leaves me. I'm fine with it because I'm going with her. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm going with her. That's how serious we are. I will say this just as we close this thing out. Uh, there's two biblical grounds for divorce. And... Um, and I want you to know, I, I would never advise you to stay in a marriage with these two biblical grounds. But I, even though I have seen God restore marriages when both of these were involved. So you just never know what the Lord will do. But the two biblical grounds for divorce are adultery. So that, that's a real, a real ground for divorce. And abuse, by the way. 
And if there is abuse in the relationship, there's nobody in our church, there's no pastor in our church that would ever advise you to stay in a place that you're unsafe. And I, I think biblically we can find grounds for you to, to be removed from that relationship. But I want you, outside of those two things, you need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for your marriage. And if you've dealt with those two things, you need to see a professional to see how the Lord can restore that marriage. Because he can. Here's what I believe. Ready? That marriage will always be as good as you decide it to be. That's the fact. So if it's bad right now, it's because some partner has decided it's going to be that way. So you just make a decision. And Katie and I, we do this. We go through ebbs and flows and there's busy seasons. We, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to decide that this marriage is getting better. We're going to decide. That's why XO, things like that are crucial to your marriage. Invest in your marriage. Worship with your spouse. Serve together. Pray together. Well, invest in your marriage. And, and, and here's, here's the big one. Ready? When the other person sins because you are married to a person that is a sinner. The only perfect person that ever existed was Jesus. And he is at the right hand of the Father. So you're married to someone who will fail you. So here's what a perfect marriage is. Ready? It's a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Can I hear a better amen today, church? So I don't know what you struggled with. I don't know what frustration you're dealing with. But I know that person that you are married to has hurt you. Maybe it's frustrated you. And I think that at the end of the service, we should give it over to the Lord. And we should recommit ourselves to our marriage. If you're single in here, you commit yourself that, you know what, when God brings me that person, I'm going to seek my one before God brings me my two. But when God brings me my two, I'm going to have these five commitments in my life. If you're married in here today, I want you to choose to love that person. The Bible says, Peter says, above all, love each other. Have an action word. Like you go above, above and beyond to serve them. Here's why. Because love covers a multitude of sins. When you love them, when you have a grace for them, for some reason you stop looking at all those things and nitpicking all those issues in your life. You're sitting next to your spouse right now. I want you to grab their hand. I want to pray over you right now. You're single. I want you to just believe God for whatever he has in your future. But I think it's important. I only do this about once a year because I don't like to single people out, but I do really, really, really want to pray for the marriages of our church. I know there's so many that are under attack right now. Just right there, right where, where you're sitting together, just make a commitment to say, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to seek you first. God, I'm going to fight fair. I'm not going to name call. I'm not going to make this thing out of my flesh. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to listen. I'm going to fight fair. God, I'm going to have fun. Lord, we're going to have date nights and trips together and just keep that fire and that passion alive. God, we are going to make a commitment to stay pure. Lord, I, as their pastor, I pray over them right now for freedom from the, the attacks of the enemy over their sexual um, they're just their sexual desires and their sexual temptations over that are coming towards us. And Lord, we make a commitment right now to never give up. Come on, squeeze that person's hand right there. Just say, we're never going to give up. We're never going to give up. Lord, no matter how difficult it is, we're making a commitment to decide that this marriage is going to be good. We believe you for it. We trust you for it. And we thank you for the strength of the marriages of Radiant Church. Right now, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you're in here today, married or single, but you don't have a relationship with God, this is where it all changes. It all changes with you committing your life to Christ. If that's you, on the count of three at every location, you're going to throw a hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to shame you. But this is your moment to say, Aaron, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. Today's my day. I'm going all in with Jesus. You'll never have healthy relationships on this earth until you get your relationship with God right first. That's you on the count of three. Throw the hand up. One, two, three. Come on, throw the hand up right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you at all of our campuses. Thank you. 
Come on, wave it at me, put it right back down. Thank you so much. Let's all pray this prayer together and then our location pastors will come. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it out loud. Dear Jesus, today I make a commitment to follow you. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive my sins. Give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, can we give God some praise for what he's done today? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.